Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. And welcome to Cutback Colony. Of course, I'm Ant. Uh, this is going to be a, a fun episode. We're going to be getting into the 49ers. What's next? Brick by brick. And uh, the 49ers got into it this weekend. A long weekend, but a very exciting weekend because the 49ers made a lot of really, really nice picks. And now it's going to shed some light on what they're going to be doing moving forward. Um, so that's what the conversation is going to be about today. If you have anything you want to talk about, go ahead and lay it down in the chat, uh, you can do that right now, and that'll be a fun time, because right now is the time to ante up. Ante up something you want to talk about today, ante up a like, ante up a comment, uh, do whatever you want to do, but right now is the time to ante up, and I'm going to ante up with this is, first off, I'm very excited to see Jason Verrett back. Uh, Jason Verrett is going to be a San Francisco 49er for this season. $895,000 means he's a very cheap option for the San Francisco 49ers, and what that means now is a secondary is at an all-time high because the 49ers used a lot of draft capital on secondary help, bringing in two corners, including uh, Samuel Womack out of Tulsa. And then also 
uh, going ahead and taking uh, Castro Fields out of Penn State in round six. So they've addressed that, but then weren't done because they go out and get Jason Verrett, who John Lynch said on KMBR yesterday, they seen at a first, um, you know, starting quarter, cornerback in their room. So that's something that's very nice to have. This cornerback room now, very impressive. The top three guys are really good. All the starting experience, Charverius Ward, the big signing coming out of Kansas City. And then now bringing back Jason Verrett to go with Emmanuel Mosley, uh, something that's going to be very interesting. And it brings up questions about what they're going to do at other locations, including the safety position. Um, the safety position, I believe, is something the 49ers need to address because they have, the, you know, right now the current uh, roster of guys that they have going is Jimmy Ward. Uh, he's he's the incumbent. He's the number one guy. But who's going to play opposite is the big question. You got Tarverius Moore, the holdover. They've had him. They drafted him in the third round. And he was out the entire 2021 season. Uh, so now there's going to be questions about who starts next to Jimmy Ward. Will that be Tarverius Ward or Tarverius Moore? Um, or could it be somebody like Talano Hufanga, who they used a fifth-year pick on, or fifth-year draft pick on last year? Um, Hufanga potentially could be that guy, an excellent player in the box. Um, but maybe an improving player in the secondary. So that's something he's going to have to work on a little bit. And then, of course, the new guy to the fold, George Odom, who they signed out of Indianapolis, which most would believe would be a special teams move. However, he does have a lot of ability, and he said himself he's never missed a tackle inside the box the entire last season. Uh, so so there you got that. Um and so we got we got some stuff coming up already. So we'll we'll get into some of this stuff uh that's that's in the comments. Um because I'm really excited to see what you guys have to say, you know, about the San Francisco 49ers. And ultimately, uh, I'm going to get into your questions. So give me one second. We'll get into your questions uh, because I'm very excited to, to answer those questions. And first off, let's go. Let's see which one we got here first. Um, uh, David Zobel is very happy they did uh, Jason Brett signing. That's nice. Ronnie Montoya says with... Uh, the, the, uh, with West um, making that much plus the signing bonus, more than likely he's going to be on the 53-man roster, right? I think that Donovan West does have a chance to make this roster. Uh, the question is going to be what they're going to do at the center position without us really knowing what is ha going to happen with Alex Mack. I think right now we don't really know who's going to make the roster because they have Jake Brendel. And we've heard Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talk about Brendel and talk about the fact that Brendel is a very, very good player and that they would even feel comfortable with Brendel being the starter. Not something I expected to hear right away, but that is something that they're entertaining. But they, they go ahead and they bring in Donovan West. But then all the conversation, and, and this is what, what uh, Paul, Sander, uh, Paul Saunders is bringing up, he says, does uh, Zakil have reasonable chance to play center? And I think that's one of the big things going on is they might have drafted Zaccheel and see him as a better center option than Donovan West, but West is going to be a guy that they feel comfortable with coming out of Arizona State. So now they have two young options for the center position. It's going to be a battle, a guy like West, who has a lot of familiarity with the position, who's played center and guard, but with uh, Zaccheel, who they believe can do both. Um, they believe he has the position versatility, he has the intelligence, and they've been scouting him for four years um, so I think both of those guys are on there. I don't think it's a guarantee that uh, Donovan West makes the football team, even though he got a nice bonus. I also don't think it's a guarantee that somebody like Leon uh, O'Neill is going to make this roster either. But I do think a lot of times you follow the money and it will give you a pretty good idea of where those are supposed to be. Now, Freak Stomp says, what the F 
was the Davis Price pick. That franchise guy on YouTube said it was by far the worst pick in the entire draft. I absolutely agree. I'm starting to think Lynch has lost his damn mind. Wow. Oh, it's one of those things where it was definitely surprising, Freak Stump. When that pick came through, it was a guy I hadn't really watched any film on, just seen him a couple of times, but wasn't really in-depth on what he could do. The one thing I will say about getting into the film on Davis Price was the fact that I watched him early in the season in the film, and it was a little bit of a struggle. Um, so I was like, ah, I, I don't know if he's really going to be that guy, but as the season went on, he definitely developed. Um, and so I think that him developing is something that uh, maybe gave them some opportunity to want to bring him in because when it comes to Davis Price, he's a guy that got more comfortable running on the inside. And I think that him running on the inside and the comfort and the traffic of the offensive line is something that really was starting to develop as the season went on. And I think that's what got them is he was able to get in there, find a hole and then accelerate through that hole. Um, so that is uh, something that's going to you know continue to be worked on. Uh, what's up, David Campbell? How's it going? Uh, welcome to the Ant Colony. Appreciate that. Um, so Donald Johnson says the Niners shouldn't have drafted Ty Davis Price. They should have just signed Ray Mysterio. Interesting. Uh, Dave Zobel says, I'm worried about the center. I wish Mac would make up his mind if he wants to. Got to give us a chance to fill the void if one exists. I, I think, Dave, what they did was they really tried to address it in the draft. They know that they got Brendel, who they feel comfortable with, in case something happens this year, Brendel could step in. He was with the 49ers the entire season last year, which means he has a really good understanding of this offense. will be able to do the things necessary. And I think that that will help bridge the gap because it didn't sound from what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said that they were willing, or at least they weren't overly optimistic about Daniel Brunskill moving to center. It seemed more like they wanted him to play guard this year. Uh, they felt comfortable with him playing right guard. In fact, and what they've done is drafted some tackles with some versatility over the last couple of years, minus Aaron Banks, who's the guard, uh, who they expect to step in. We'll see what Aaron Banks can do um, during this season. Yeah, Davis Price was expected to go in the sixth to undrafted Freak Stump. You're not wrong. That's what everyone had. That was the grade that we were seeing for Davis Price. And I think that when it came down to it, the 49ers had a higher grade on him than anyone else. This is sort of what happened last year with uh with Trey Sermon as well. Even though that Trey Sermon was a good football player and everyone really liked him, I think when it came down to it, there wasn't a a huge amount of love for him at the spot at which he went, where the 49ers had to trade up and get him. So two years in a row, the 49ers went running back, and I wonder how much they mirror each other. Uh, did the 49ers go running back Davis Price because they went running back Trey Sermon? Or are they concerned about Sermon? I think that's something to watch. And then it also brings up questions about this running back room. Uh, so Seth, Seth Siddle Mitchell, what's up, Seth? How's it going? Davis Price, Sermon. Sermon is another bust on Lynch's resume. Um, Seth, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and argue because I haven't seen anything out of Sermon yet um, that makes me believe that Sermon is going to be one of those backs. Now, the question for about the Sermon pick, is it a was it a John Lynch pick or was it a Kyle Shanahan pick? Because Joe Williams was a Kyle Shanahan pick, um, so I'm not I'm not 100% sure who made that, um, but I, I think I think that this is one of those things that's interesting. I, I think it, I think we're gonna have to see how Trey Sermon does, but I think they are ensuring themselves just in case uh, Trey Sermon doesn't develop into that one cut and go guy. Donald says, "Hey, Ant, great show, especially lately." Thank you, Donald. I really appreciate that for sure. Um, 
Freak Stomp says, Sermon looked better. In college, Sermon definitely looked better. Uh, watched Sermon a lot. Uh, and I think that Sermon, you know, in training camp and in the, the practice, the open practices and stuff, he looked like he was learning to run the style at which uh, Bobby Turner and Kyle Shanahan wanted him to run in this system. Uh, so I think that that is one thing Trey Sermon can continually get better at. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure that, you know, he's there yet. I think they thought he was going to develop it a little bit sooner, um, but maybe he will. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Ronnie says, do you think they got bigger running back uh, in in uh, Davis Price uh, to help blocking for Trey Lance? I think this is kind of a move in a certain direction. So when they got Raheem Mostert, it was all speed, right? They had they had Breida, they had Mostert, uh, they had Tevin Coleman. All these guys were four four and better guys. And I mean, with Mostert and Breida's case, I mean these guys are like four two guys. Ridiculous speed. But now we've seen a little bit of a shift where you can't have those speed guys. I mean, Raheem Mostert is just. I mean, he's a Miami Dolphin now. So you had to go a different way. And it appears that Kyle Shanahan is going to a more big, thick, physical back. And now we're seeing that all through, right? Elijah Mitchell, they've asked him to go now to 215 pounds. So he's not he's going to be a 4-4 guy. He's not going to be a 4-3 guy. Um, but I think that adding that weight will help with his physicality. So I think that that is something that I'm excited about. But now they just continue to add to that, including the undrafted free agent they brought in, another big physical running back. So this is just something I think they're going to, but uh, something to watch to see. If the 49ers definitely want to make sure they have bruising guys that are 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, guys. They're not going to be whole shots. You're not going to get touchdowns out of them uh, you know, on long runs, but you could get 25, 30-yard gains, which we saw Elijah Mitchell pull off last year um, getting it done. Uh NYCE says, hey, Ant, I loved you guys' coverage of the draft. Great job. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming through. It was very nice to have everyone there. And uh, it, it really everyone was a big help in chat. That was a fantastic time. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was a great uh, great time for the draft. I, I really had a lot of fun. Freakstom says, but a third-round pick for a pass-blocking back that only has 10 receptions last year. Sounds like he's not a third-down guy. I think right now, Freak Stomp, you're right. Right now, Davis Price is not a three-down back. He's somebody that they look to be able to take carries away from Elijah Mitchell, potentially take carries away from Debo Samuel. I think they're worried about Debo Samuel's usage, and so they have to make sure they have guys. Um, I think in a perfect world, they would be able to use Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. as the third-down backs. Elijah Mitchell against Green Bay, and then against the Rams, caught passes out of the backfield, and he did a really good job. Um, so I think those that's something to watch. We'll see if those guys are going to be in those type of usages. That also puts the onus on Jamichael Hasty. Will Jamichael Hasty be able to make this football team? I think that's something that when we're looking at the construct of this running back room is a question because he did struggle sometimes in pass blocking and pass protection. And then he wasn't very effective as he should have been in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So I think that maybe they're looking at the third down back. So they bring in a Davis price um, to be able to use Jeff Wilson Jr. As a third down back, that might be something to watch. Um, so that, that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Twisted clown says, I want to see a jumbo package with Poe, Kittle, and Juszczyk. Uh, There you go. Poe, Jason Poe out of Mercer, is one of the most intriguing guys the 49ers brought in, especially as an undrafted free agent. It was a, it was something that's interesting. A six foot one, 300-pound guy, but runs a 4-8-40. That's an impressive athleticism for a guy his size. The questions are all over the place about where he ends up. 
Will he be an offensive lineman? He's a great puller. He'd be awesome in, in that sort of scheme. I think that the gap scheme would work out for him. But you wonder if he has the measurables with arm length to be able to consistently you know, engage with defensive players, keep a low pad level, and win. I think those are something that we're going to have to watch. Moving him to positions is something they could do. There's no risk with taking Jason Poe as an undrafted free agent and moving him around. Would love to see him. Uh, I think you're right, Joseph Clown, in a, a spot where he is in a jumbo package, especially as an inline blocker. Uh, you talk about a blocking tight end as it would be. That would be impressive. So I am curious what they're going to do with Poe. I wouldn't be surprised if he's an offensive lineman, uh, but I would like to see him, you know, potentially them use all of his athletic ability. Um, let's see. Uh, Frank Stump says Zamir White went in the fifth, right? Crazy. Yeah, Zamir White, a, a very good running back. And there was a lot of really good running backs that went even after Davis Price. Something about Davis Price definitely spoke um, to the 49ers. Something about his running style I did see some patience developing, so I'm going to take a, a little bit of a wait and see. I understand people's, uh, you know, kind of being critical of this pick, um, but I'm going to take a little bit of a wait and see because like with Elijah Mitchell last year, you could see a little bit on film, and I know he was taken in the sixth round, so it's a little bit of a different circumstance, but when we saw him at open practices in training camp, right away you're like, whoa, like he had a nice feel. Like he understood he could get one cut and go, it was pretty nice. Um, so that that's something to, to watch. But there were a lot of really good running backs available for Eek Stomp. You're not wrong. Um, David Campbell says not only Debo's usage, but uh, to cover the inevitable running back injuries. Exactly. Last year, the 49ers had so many injuries at the running back position. They had to go and cherry pick players off of other practice squads. Uh, and they don't want to end up with that situation again. So the, the 49ers are going out and making sure that they're insulating themselves and building the depth in the running back room. And actually, that's what they've been doing at almost every single position. It has been an offseason of depth and offseason of building special teams. And that's they just continue to build this roster uh, to try to be the best they can be for 17 games and then into the playoffs. Bobo says, Hasty put the ball on the ground uh, too sometimes. Exactly. You want to get on Kyle Shanahan's bad side? Uh, be a fumbler. Put the ball on the ground. Uh, that's something you don't want to do. And you're right. Michael Hasty does that sometimes. Lou says, Sermon and TDP, uh, both not three down backs yet. You're right. And, and tr that's the thing. Those two are very equivalent in, in the fact that neither one of them were dynamic in the passing game to be able to be third down backs. However, both are big physical guys that can finish around the goal line that can get you one or two yards when needed. Those things are true. The difference is I believe Davis Price is a little farther along in his one cut and go ability. We haven't seen it you know, out of Trey Sermon yet. Do I think he can develop it? I, I do think he can still develop it. Uh, I think I trust Bobby Turner's belief in him. Bobby Turner would not have signed off on this if he didn't think he could turn Trey Sermon into that. Now, of course, Anthony Lynn is going to be taking over the responsibilities of developing this running back room. Uh, so that's something to watch. And we'll see what happens. Chris Forrester, the offensive line coach, is now going to be running the, running, uh, the run game. Let's see the differences between what he does and what they were doing with uh, Mike McDaniel. Um, yeah, I'm hoping TDP lights a fire under Sermon. Uh, 49ers breakdown, I hope so. They need to light a fire under him because he's going to have to get it done. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, hey, Ant, can you see Poe being used as a fullback? I can see Poe being used in a, in a, in a bunch of different ways. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, once, once drafted a defensive end and put him as a, a fullback. So I think any time that you have a player with elite abilities and Poe has an elite ability in the fact that he's 300 pounds but can move the way he moves, 
you look for roles for them. I don't think you pigeonhole people um, into a certain position just because that's what position they've always played. They're really good coaches, and Kyle Shanahan's a really good coach, and a, a coach that sees a lot from his football players will go ahead and take their traits and use them to the best of their abilities that fit his scheme. He could find a role for Poe. I don't know if he will. I don't know if this is something where they just believe he's going to be a really good offensive lineman for them, an athletic level, and make those kind of blocks, a developmental offensive lineman. I don't know that. But I do see the. I do think that Kyle Shanahan could find a role for Poe uh, that makes him a weapon on offense. So I, I think that is something we're definitely going to be watching to see what happens over you know the next several weeks as we inch closer to training camp. Lou says either Hasty or Sermon will be gone. Potentially, that's what it looks like. And I think that that might be the actual battle. Last year, it was Gallman and Hasty. Was it going to be Gallman? Was it going to be Hasty? Um, and, and this year, it looks like Hasty's going to be right there again. Donald Johnson thinks Hasty's going to be the odd man out. And he could be right because if Jeff Wilson Jr. and Elijah Mitchell take over that third down role, um, then Jamichael Hasty might might not be the guy because Hasty is the same speed as Davis Price and Trey Sermon. So it's not like he's a quicker back. He is more elusive than both of them, but both of them are more downhill runners. Uh, Freak Stomp says also one quarter of uh, TDP's yards last year came in one game. Yeah, he, he, he dominated against Florida. He had a really good football game against Florida. So you're not wrong there. Uh, Gris says, uh, Drake Jackson over Nick Benito. Shake my head. The difference between the two is Drake Jackson's a little bit farther along in being able to set the edge against the run. So he's gonna he has a, a farther along in being a three-down defensive end. Nick Benito is a specialized pass rusher and a situational pass rusher. Here's where you're right, Garish, is I think Drake Jackson and Nick Benito are going to be both featured in the same role this year as situational pass rushers for the 49ers. And I do think that Drake Jackson um, is going to be a rotational piece for the 49ers. I don't expect him to step in day one and start start opposite Nick Bosa. And I wouldn't expect that from Nick Benito either. Uh, so those are kind of the differences between the two, but how they can be used. Donald Johnson says, Lou, right now, I think Hasty might be gone. That's my guess. So we're getting some more of Hasty potentially being gone. Everyone's seeing how this team is being built and looking at Hasty potentially becoming the odd man out. Paul Saunders says, how many teams will be waiting for the 49ers cuts to swoop up a bunch of great players? A lot. And here might be the time when the 49ers do what they did a little bit last year, but at a larger scale. And last year, they were, they were fielding calls and they made a couple of, of trades. They could really trade some edge rushers this year. Their defensive line, I know they won't want to, um, but they might need to because they're going to have a lot of value there. They're going to be able to recruit some really good draft capital because it's going to be a murderer's row of defensive linemen on this team, and it's going to be so difficult to make the roster. It's going to be an exciting battle to watch. Preseason should be really fun to watch. If you like watching you know, quarters three and four to see the guys that are coming on later, you might get some really good football players coming in later and that would be exciting to watch uh, because they, I mean, Kerry Hyder, Kamoko Ture, Jordan Willis, Charles Aminahue. I mean, those guys all have potential, you know, to be in that rotation. And I didn't even mention uh, Drake Jackson at all. And he's going to be one of those guys. We still have questions about D Ford, the deepest defensive end room, edge rush room in the entire NFL. And I, I think that, I don't think that anyone can really argue with that. I think it's just one of those things. Freak Stomp said he had a lot of games where he averaged three-ish yards and i don't see it at all yeah i mean that's the thing i mean if 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 you if you look at his stats it's not going to be appealing to you and that's how it is with some players in this draft you look at the stats and you this guy doesn't make a lot of sense um so i think that 
maybe the 49ers uh, potentially see something in him, and we'll see what role they carve out for him. Uh, but I think your your concerns are somewhat warranted right now. Uh, 49ers breakdown, TDP has a really good in-game GPS speed. He's downhill one-cut runner and has nice jump cut for a guy his size and is known for being a great character guy um, with excellent work ethic. Uh, there there you go. And I, I think that uh, when he's de- he's a developmental one-cut guy. I think he's far farther along than Trey Sermon, but his one cut is definitely developing. You saw that in film last year, where it seemed like he struggled a little bit at first. He wanted to he wanted to jump cut. He wanted to hop around at the line of scrimmage. He wanted to press and then jump. Um, and now he got to be becoming a one cut guy. You also saw him become more comfortable in traffic, comfortable in traffic, and then being able to recognize when the second level hole was going to um, show up, and then excel through it so i i think that that is something he's getting better at but he's definitely developmental and thank you mr Corey, for throwing out bruce miller that is right that's the defensive lineman i was talking about that hardball and bulky drafted and he became a fullback he was a defensive end in college so you can take guys and move them to another another spot uh 49ers breakdown says solid analysis bro i dig your channel thanks so much 49ers breakdown really appreciate that uh donald johnson freak stomp and they also had McLeod from the Steelers and the and the fumbles too. Yeah, Raymond McLeod does have some fumbling issues. They're going to have to work on that. Candy are collectibles. Who does Purdy threaten more, Jimmy G or our tribal chief, Nate Sudfeld? I think that with Purdy, they drafted him with a particular purpose in mind. And I think that purpose is him to be the third quarterback in year one. I think that is their belief. I think he's going to end up on the practice squad. And I think they're going to have, you know, where they protect him sometimes. But I don't expect him to make the 53-man roster. I think he's going to come in there and he's going to show an impressive arm because he has, I mean, a lot of strength in that right arm. It's an impressive gun. And he's got some pretty good accuracy too. The things he needs to work on are a lot of the things in the pre-snap read department. He needs to be able to locate receivers and get the ball out on schedule. And as a young guy, it's going to be a lot uh, to take in in Kyle Shanahan's offense but I think he can do it. So I, I think right now with all the questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm just going to say Purdy is supposed to be, uh, you know, the, the third down guy or the, the third uh, quarterback in the room. Uh, what happens ahead of him? I don't know. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is on this roster, I think it definitely changes everything. And right now I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy. So I'm just going to leave it out there that right now, just like John Lynn says, Jimmy Garoppolo is a part of this roster until he's not. I'm just going to act like he is. Uh, NYC says NDP is a solid blocker and runs downhill effectively. I like the pick because he puts me in the mind of Melvin Gordon, which Lynn had success with, so he's going to be used. And if Anthony Lynn had his fingerprints on this and thinks he does remind him of Gordon, that would make a lot of sense. The thing I do like about him is he's 211 pounds, but he runs like he's 225 pounds. There's a lot of physicality, and he plays with a lot of aggression. And when he's running and he's ready to make contact, he only makes contact when it's to finish a run. He's wanting to avoid, 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 and then when it's time to finish, he finishes. And that's what you want on these these backs that are you know built like him. And I like that. I think he runs to his size, which is nice. Uh, Bobo says Sermon will have a year under his belt and taste the NFL football. He'll know what is expected of him now, and hopefully he'll be a big contributor in year two. I think that is definitely the hope, Bobo. I really hope that Trey Sermon took everything in, soaked in every possible thing he could get from Bobby Turner because Bobby Turner is one of the best running back coaches in the league, if not the best running back coach in the league. And now he's going to have Anthony Lynn, who was an understudy for Bobby Turner. So he understands what Bobby Turner wants from the running back position. And he's going to be able to continue that to the next level. 
And I, I'm hoping that they're going to find situations as well to put Sermon in good opportunities with Trey Lance because I think Sermon can run well with Lance in certain situations where they run read options and such. Um, so I think that that's maybe something that we could get get going there. Okay, let's see what we got. We're having, are we having audio problems still, David? I'm sorry if we are having audio problems. Um, Lou says, I'm really impressed with the TDP videos. I like the guy more than what I saw from Sermon. I think TDP is a little bit of a different running back than Sermon. Uh, Sermon ran different styles at Oklahoma and Ohio State than what was asked of TDP at uh, LSU. Um, so I think that LSU is is one of those things where uh, he needs to continue uh, doing you know doing things that's um, you know works for him in the one cut and go. And I think they're hoping Trey Sermon is going to develop there. But if the 49ers do get Trey Sermon to that point, then they're sitting on the luxury of having two guys that can both do it, which I think is fantastic. So potentially that would be nice to have both of those guys there. Um, let's see. Freak Stomp, when you watch the tape on guys, never watch the highlights, they lie. Watch full games, every offensive snap. Uh, Freak Stomp, you're right. If you watch film, I think that's the, the fun part is watching the film. Here's one thing to, to think about when you come to the highlights. If you only watch highlights, it's a bad thing. But if you watch highlights before you watch the film, it's not a terrible thing because if they don't impress you in their best plays they ever did in college, they're probably not going to impress you when you get into all the film. So I think that that's something to consider as well. But you're right. If you're going to watch, if you want to watch uh, the whole totality of that guy, watch him play in and play out. I think that's what's very impressive is watching these guys, how they operate, and also watch what they do when they don't have the ball in their hands. Are they making the right blocks? Are they going the right way? Are they staying interested in what they're supposed to do? So I think that you're right, Freak Stomp. I think that's something that is fun to watch because um, it's not all about when you have the ball in your hands. Sometimes it's about when you don't as well. Uh, we just need a commitment from Debo, then we'll have a championship team. Yet I think Kyle Shannon and John Lynch are being steadfast on this. Uh, they, they said straight up, hey, look at this. Look at it this way. We were not going to move Debo Samuel. We know that there was some, some offers, but a first and a third round pick wasn't going to get it done for them. So they've decided to stay with what they got with Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel's leverage has run out. He had a little bit of public pressure and a little bit of leverage from the draft. However, with the draft now being gone, there is literally nothing there for Debo Samuel leverage-wise. So the 49ers are going to work diligently on getting a deal done. I think that the timeline is still the same. They'd like to get a deal done before training camp, and I think now they can start putting you know all of that together because they did not build this roster without Debo Samuel being on the team and keeping that in mind. Um, so I, I think that it is something that's potentially going to get done, but I think it's going to get done in July. And I think that if Debo's not willing to come to an agreement with them, uh, they'll play out the season on his rookie pay scale, and then eventually they'll they'll franchise tag them because they do have to worry about Nick Bosa eventually. Chris said no ball hawk safety or cornerbacks drafted. Yeah, it wasn't about a ball hawk, um, for instance, with the safety position. And I think that when they looked at the safety position, they looked at it as, as a need, uh, but they looked at it also as a situational need where it had to hit the right spot to get the right caliber of football player. And I think that they just didn't find the opportunity to draft the safety where they were picking that they felt was good enough to be able to start for their team. And that's something that we brought up is that, yeah, there's a lot of, you see a need, but you have to have a player that's going to be able to help your football team. And I think they were trying to weigh that so I think that they didn't find that opportunity to get the guy that they wanted and the value wasn't there. And their board was definitely different than most of the NFL. And we see that with New England too. Their board was definitely different than everyone else. 
So I think that sometimes you just got to go with your board and you hope it works out. We'll see if the 49ers made the right moves there. Bubble says Purdy is a two-year project at best. He's definitely a project. They're not expecting anything from Purdy anytime soon. What they are expecting is for him to come in, learn, grow. And I think what they're hoping is that eventually he'll develop into a nice backup behind Trey Lance. And that way they have two guys that they feel comfortable with that can go in and win. Because when it comes down to it, Sudfeld's understanding of the offense right now is so valuable to Trey Lance. He, Trey Lance can lean on him. So Trey Lance can lean on Sudfeld, who he's already built a relationship with. And then Trey Lance can uh, also uh, you know, lean on Greasy as well because Greasy understands every situation and, and how to overcome those. So it's a it's nice veteran uh, group they got around him. And then Purdy will be the guy that's going to learn and eventually hopefully take over for Sudfeld when they don't want to pay Sudfeld $2 million anymore. Um, Let's see. We got Drake Jackson when taught and develop. Uh, will look better than Benito. I think you're right. I think Drake Jackson will be able to develop Ken Martin into a three-down defensive end in this league, potentially be able to take over you know, the, the spot that uh, is going to get left by Samson Ebucom or, or one of these other guys that's going to move on eventually for greener pastures. Now, I do think Samson Ebucom is going to have a big season this year. I think he's going to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations with Armstead and Bosa being on the opposite side of him. All they have to do is have that guy that can slide in with them. Will it be Jordan Willis? Will it be Kerry Hyder? Or maybe even Drake Jackson. If they have that opportunity there, Drake Jackson could slide into the Arden Key role. That would have been nice. So I, I think that that is something that we, we can watch and keep in mind is Drake Jackson, as he develops, uh, he's going to be probably a better three-down guy than Nick Benito, where Nick Benito is more of a situational pass rusher. Bubba says, with these running backs we got, we don't need Debo to play wide back anymore. I think you don't need him to. Now it's a luxury. So, oh, I need Debo to do something in this game. I'm going to need him to do it four times. Or I'm going to need to win this game against the Rams. I need him to do it three times. It's going to be, oh, it's playoff time. Here comes Debo at wide back. But you're right. The usage is going to be something that they're looking to maintain and to kind of, you know, a ta a taper a little bit because they do not want to use him the way they were using him last year. He can't hold up under that. Uh, so I think that's a, a very good point. Uh, Ken Martin says, watch the highlights and film because the highlights will show you the potential and talent. You're right. That is something that you can definitely see in the highlights. And then when you get into the film, it gives you, you really get to see the nuts and bolts of every single uh, play. As a coach, I watched a ridiculous amount of film when it was time for me to play a game. It was my job to understand what the other team was going to do and be able to understand what their, you know, the little things that I could find to give my team an advantage. And then when it was the game was over, it was time for me to break down that film and see how my players had done and where we could get better. And so that's why you got to you you watch a lot of film and I used to watch the film a ton and I think film is fun, but yeah, highlights definitely will give you an idea of what somebody's potential could be. And then when you dive into it, because guess what? If you're not impressed by their highlights, you're not going to get more impressed when you watch their film. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, Ant, what's the biggest camp battle you're excited to see? Right now, I'm super excited to see the interior offensive line. With all the questions at left guard, we don't know what's going to happen between Aaron Banks, Colton McKivitz, Maybe even Spencer Beerford. Uh, we don't know who's going to be that left guard. We expect it to be Daniel Brunskill as the right guard. But the questions at left guard is going to be a, a hotbed issue. That's going to be really, really fun to watch. To me, that's one of the most exciting battles. And then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the defensive line where the edge rushers galore. 
uh, potentially eight guys that could start for your football team are going to be out there battling it. And when you get Chris Kacarek in, involved uh, and Daryl Tapp, the assistant defensive line coach, the energy that's going to be coming from the right corner of the training camp field is going to be absolutely exciting. If you're going off to training camp, watch the right side. Watch those guys get off. It's going to be fun and impressive. I'm really, really looking forward to that. So those are definitely two battles that I'm looking forward to. Ken Martin says Kirby Joseph and Brian Cook was on the board. I think you're. I don't think you're wrong, actually, Ken. I do believe Kirby Joseph and Brian Cook were on the board. I like Brian Cook a little bit more than Kirby Joseph. I would have been good with both of them. But I, if the 49ers looked at it and thought that they needed to address it this way with the running back and TDP and then could turn around and sign Tart, if they end up bringing Tart back, I think that that might be the way to go. You could potentially go with a younger safety next year. But safety is going to be a question here pretty soon because Jimmy Ward is coming up. You know, his contract's coming up soon. You have Tarverius Moore, who's going to be a free agent after this year. Could it be Hufanga? Could he be the long-term answer? You have Odom for a couple of years. I think that'll be something to watch, but I won't be shocked if they continue, and that's why this is brick by brick, continue to add to the safety room because in the secondary, I think they've handled it everywhere else, potentially safeties in an area they need to go with. Um, Donald Johnson says, no one can hold up the way they use Debo. You're right. Uh, physicality, taking on those hits, uh, is something that they, they need to work on. Um, so... I think that that is something that could definitely be done. And uh, we're, we're apparently having problems with the audio. I'm really sorry for that. Uh, I don't know why we're having audio issues. Um, I'm going to try to try to look at that as I continue to go um, through the episode, but I'm not, I'm not sure why we're having audio issues. So uh, my apologies on that guys. Um, but I'm going to try to just keep going and plugging along as we're having these audio issues and see what's going on. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's all reading fine on my end, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I don't know why exactly we're having audio issues. I, my apologies to everybody. Um, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. Okay, better now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll get back to these questions. My apologies on the audio issues. And the great one says, do you think Gray gets more reps than Jennings this season? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that when it comes down to uh gray i think it's going to be just situational the way they use them and i think they're going to use those two guys in in different avenues so i think you're going to have sometimes when it's going to be gray sometimes it's going to be jennings i think it'll be both of them together so i think this is something that they're just going to work together the, one of the things that 49ers um often get talked about is who the third wide receiver is going to be and i mean we we did we went through this a little bit last year i i think that Sometimes when it comes down to the um the the wide receiver position, Kyle Shanahan doesn't look at it as like three guys. He has his top two guys that he's gonna use in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And then I think after that, he wants to use the other guys in different situational ways. So Danny Gray is gonna be a guy that can take the top off, which is going to allow Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle to operate underneath. I think that's first off how he could be used. And with Jawan Jennings, Jennings is the guy that gets those those big third down catches. Uh, he's one of those guys that can really create in the red zone. Now, when it comes to Gray, I think Gray's going to have a lot of versatility in the way he's using the crossing routes, and they're going to scheme up some things for him to get open. I think him being a potentially third or fourth option on some plays with George Kittle being involved is going to be really big for him. So I think those are some things that uh, are really going to help Gray. So I don't know if what the split is going to be between them, but I look for both of them to be used. 
So I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Danny Gray in this offense. Uh, Donald says Niners are not just looking at skills of players, but also mental, mental, uh, mentally and maturity. Uh, definitely. Uh, they want guys that need to, you know, that, that play football. They want guys who want to play football, that have that energy and are expected to play football at a high level. And so that that's one of the things that you'll hear John Lynch mention the right stuff. Uh, we believe, he is, you know, he's the right stuff. And I think that's what they're looking for uh, is guys who have the right stuff. And it's, the, it's the, the capable nature at which they're able to play physically, but also the mental makeup to be able to get through the tough times and play hard. And the fact that they want them to play football. Uh, Ronnie says, you're good. And it's a season. We just got to power through. Uh, you're right. It is. Uh, it is that time. Uh, Ken Martin says, Ant, you check out Tay uh, Martin. Reminds me of KB 2.0 in the red zone threat. I did check out Tay Martin. I did like Tay Martin's ability. I liked his length and he, the way he played with length. I thought that was something that was interesting was that the 49ers went with two receivers as undrafted free agents and both uh, Tay Martin and then Tay Sir uh, that, that were really good in the area of the red zone and being able to create there, but didn't exactly have the speed. Uh, that normally jumps off on film, but both guys were, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 190 pounds. And I thought that was something they were looking for was aggressive guys who could win with contested catches the same way Jawan Jennings does. So I think it's a certain type of wide receiver that they're going for. Uh, Donald Johnson says, Eric Crocker believes Jennings isn't a real third receiver. Yeah, you know what? I When it comes to Jawan Jennings, once again, it, it's not about third wide receiver. It's about using them in certain ways. An offensive coordinator doesn't look at like, oh, I, just, I need to have like these three guys and these three, you know, like this is a, a typical third receiver. What Kyle Shannon is looking at with Jawan Jennings is in certain situations, I'm going to use him this way. And then when you add Ray Ray McLeod, I have him this way. So when I have Jawan Jennings on the field, I know that right away, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle are going to get the most attention. So what I want out of Jawan Jennings is I want him to be able to win one-on-one, -on -one, and he can do that because he's got the body that he has. At six foot three and well over 200 pounds, he can body people. He can create separation through his physicality. And if he's trying to create separation through physicality, one or two things are going to happen. Number one, he's either going to get open, uh, he's going to win on a contested catch, or he's going to create separation and potentially get a call even. Uh, so I think Jawan Jennings can be used that way. And when it comes to Ray Ray McLeod, when he's asked, to be the third down guy, or I mean the, the third wide receiver, he'll come in there and he'll be able to, you know, make plays with reverses and with quick screens and also be able to make, you know, little whip routes inside and then bust out outside. Uh, they're going to be used in different avenues. And that's why when we were talking about them adding a, a wide receiver that could take the top off, that was what was so important. And they're going to do that with Danny Gray now. And Gray's going to be asked to do that. But I think Gray's going to be asked to do uh, uh, some different things. And I did see Eric Crocker talking about Danny Gray as well and, and showing some film of him not being able to create separation, not using his speed correctly. Uh, the problem with it is Danny Gray is going to have a specific role for Kyle Shanahan. And Shanahan is going to scheme this guy open. And it's not going to all be flies. It's not going to be, everything's not going to be just down the field. Get ready for it. I mean, Danny Gray is going to have some uh, times where he's going to get one-on-one -on -one coverage, and he's going to be able to win. He's a very fast receiver, and it's not easy to be able to cover this guy. And if you try to run zone, he's going to run right through your zone. So I think that right now Danny Gray is you know, catching some criticism for some things. Uh, it could be warranted. It could be not. Um, but I am curious to see how Kyle Shannon uses these guys with their unique skill sets. Lou says, um, will Ayuk snaps go up or down given Gray's presence? I think Ayuk snaps will stay pretty close to what they were last year. You know, he, him and Debo Samuel, the usage that they're going to have is going to be similar. 
And I think that's what they want to do. They want to use these guys, um, you know, in a, in a variety of different ways. And hopefully, uh, you know, his production goes up. I, I think that early in the season, there were definitely some some struggles with Brent Ayuk and the, and the coaching staff and what was expected of him. And then I think they got to it. And once they did, uh, then then it really worked out for him. So I think that that is something that uh, Brian Ayuk is going to continue to have more production. But I don't think his snap usage is going to be hurt um, by by Danny Gray. I think Danny Gray is going to split more time, you know, with Jawan Jennings and with Ray Ray McLeod uh, than he will Brandon Ayuk. But I do believe there will be uh, there will be times when Debo and Danny Gray are out there, or when Brandon Ayuk and Danny Gray are out there, or Jawan Jennings even with those other two, is that there will be times for them to rest, and that's part of the reason. You want to make sure you have really good players to be able to go in. Um, and Lou says, or is great only on three receiver sets. I don't think it's primarily just three receiver sets. I think there will be time that he's, th- you know, the, in there on three receiver sets. And I think there'll be other opportunities um, where he's not. So uh, I think that he will also be in there just with, you know, one of the guys, you know, with, with, uh, with Debo or, or with Ayuk. So I think those are definitely some things that, that can happen. And when it comes down to this, you know, this roster, I mean, that was one of the things they addressed in the off season was a wide receiver position going into it. You fully expected them to go in and get a guy that could operate in the short area and make plays happen with his legs. And they addressed that with Ray Ray McLeod. Um, some people thought it was going to be a uh, grant cream grant. It, it wasn't. And it ended up being Ray Ray McLeod. And then they needed to address the wide receiver position with a speed receiver that could take the top off. And everyone was targeting Christian Watson in the draft. Christian Watson went really early. Uh, and so it wasn't Christian Watson. It ends up being Danny Gray, but Gray has definitely got the versatility to be able to do the things that Kyle Shanahan wants to be done in his offense. And he kind of equated it to the Travis Benjamin role and said, even though you've seen Travis Benjamin not making a lot of plays, the, the effect that he was having on the game, being able to take those safeties deep uh, was big. And I think that's what they're expecting from Danny Gray with a, with a caveat that I think they expect more. They're expecting more uh, of what Travis Benjamin's usage was in Cleveland when Kyle Shanahan was there uh, compared to what you saw this year. A great one says, Gray going to be great on them crossing routes. Can't wait for this upcoming season. That is one of the things that is going to be phenomenal to watch with Danny Gray. When he catches the ball going over the middle, he doesn't slow down. So He's going to be able to catch the ball, get upfield, and make plays. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see you know how he operates in this offense. And I think Kyle is going to come up with ways to use his elite speed. But right now what he has is he has you know five receivers that can catch the ball without slowing down and then be able to create in the open field. And that's what Kyle Shanahan loves to do. And with the fact that he's a run-first team that and, and run-first offense that's able to use play action, it, it makes a lot of sense. Lou says, can Ray Ray do some of the things Debo doesn't like doing? Yeah, he can. Uh, he, he definitely can. Uh, D, uh, I think Ray Ray McLeod can take some of those carries away. He can run some of the reverses, the quick screens. Um, I think Debo is, is cool with the quick screens, but some of the things in the backfield... Ray Ray McLeod can definitely run, you know, the fly sweeps. And I think you can throw Danny Gray into that as well with that elite speed to be able to get the ball on the move. And that's another thing, using Danny Gray's speed in motion as well. Get him and Ray Ray McLeod moving where they're not going to have to worry about press releases and they're going to be able to have a little bit of space between them and a defender to be able to uh, get upfield. And if you already have the, you know, the distance between you and the defender created through motion, uh, then you can make a really nice play. Ronnie Montoya says, I think Danny Gray will now join the Yak Brothers. Yeah, I think so. I think the Yak Brothers are going to, you know, definitely going to elevate this year. They're going to have, you know, more weapons than they've ever had before. And it's going to be an exciting time for sure. 
Uh, I'm excited about this wide receiver room. And I think wide receiver had to be addressed and they did address it. They did what, you know, everyone knew they needed to do. They added Ray Ray McLeod and he's going to help on special teams as well. And improving that one third of the game of special teams was so important. And you've seen the emphasis from John Lynch and that's how they've built this team brick by brick with special teams with George Odom, you know, and with Ray Ray McLeod, those are big, big signings for this team. And I think they continue that thought process through the draft is guys that they drafted can also help on special teams. They're looking to improve that because they feel like if they improve that third of the game, that could be the difference between them, uh, you know, getting beaten in the NFC Championship and then making the Super Bowl. It really is that important. We saw when when Jim Harbaugh was here, that's when everyone started talking about complementary football, offense, defense, special teams working together. And the special teams was able to win a football game last year against Green Bay. Jordan Wills with a block, Talno Fonga picking it up for the touchdown. I think that the special teams will be much improved this year. In fact, I think it's going to be one of the better units on the team. And that's that's saying something because I think the defense has taken a lot of steps forward as well. Uh, so I think that this defense is definitely improved in the secondary. And I thought, if I mean, looking back, if, I, if you would have told me that losing DJ Jones and Arden Key, that we potentially could have a better defensive line, I would never have believed it. Uh, but it does all hinge on Javon Kinlaw. Can Javon Kinlaw play up to that first round draft pick level. Uh, if he can, then I believe that the, the 49ers have improved because they brought in guys, you know, they brought in other guys like uh, uh, Hassan um, to play defensive tackle, Hassan Ridgeway. And I think he's a much, a much better player than Contavious Street, who they let go to New Orleans. So that depth did get better. And the depth is important on these football teams. I think sometimes, you know, we look at just the starters, but the depth really does make a huge impact on how the 49ers uh, use these guys. And that rotation that Chris Kacarek employs is fantastic. And they just don't stop. And I think the run game was so much improved last year with Eric Armstead at the at the at the defensive tackle spot that they're going to keep rolling with that. And so they, what they did was they addressed the edge rush position, knowing full well that Armstead is probably going to play on the interior. Um, so I think that those are some things that definitely the, they've gotten better at. And I think they're going to continue to get better as they build this roster. I don't think they're all the way done yet. I think there could be a couple of moves here and there that they're going to make. And Grish says, I think wide receiver group is average at best. Where do you rank in the league in the middle of the pack? Trey will throw, but someone needs to get open. Uh, I mean, it all depends on your value of these guys. I mean, the thing is, is right. Kyle Shanahan went out and got guys that fit his system and what he wants to do. The value on them and how they fit into the league I mean, Debo Samuel was one of the top wide receivers last year in production and numbers. And then uh, Brandon Ayuk came on as the season went on. But when we're talking about the receiving, we have to mention George Kittle as a part of that. And every time that George Kittle gets brought up, that's, I mean, that's part of the reason. He's one of the better receiving tight ends in the league, if not the best one. I think Travis Kelsey, you know, has a claim, a stake to claim that. Uh, but I think that, you know, that's a plenty of weapons between Debo Samuel, Brandon and George Kittle. Those are top flight guys. And then you add in Ray Ray McLeod, you know, Jawan Jennings and, and Danny Gray. And now you have a nice receiving group, but this is a run first football team. If this, if this running game gets going, it's going to open up things for these wide receivers and these receivers are going to have a big season. So I think that having a middle of the pack wide receiver room, if that's exactly where they are, um, I think that's okay for Kyle Shanahan because he doesn't ultimately want to spend a tremendous amount of money in his wide receiver room. Uh, he wants to spend it in other places. And I think that this wide receiver room is really good though. And I think Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk are, are the reasons why. And I expect Ayuk to have even a bigger season here in year three, because I think he's got it completely figured out now. 
Um, Donald Johnson says, let's keep the defense fresh by rotating players in. Exactly. There's two ways to keep that defense fresh. Number one, uh, run the football. You run the football, you keep your defense off the field. That means less reps, and that means the starters are going to have more opportunities to get after the quarterback. And I think that's what the 49ers really want to do, and that's what they did in 2019. That's when they were really rolling is when they were able to run the football and keep the defense off the field. And then as far as um, you know, the rotation, I mean, nobody does a rotation in this league like Chris Kacarek. The depth that the 49ers employ at the defensive line position is, uh, I mean, it's the best. It really is. I mean, they they rotate players through, and it's like a nonstop wave. It's It's tremendous to watch. And it's a philosophy that's different from everybody else. Uh, but I really do like what they're doing there. So I, I think that is a, that's a smart move. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, I can't wait to see the look on the offensive lineman. Tired and fresh wave of D-line comes in. And it's going to be intimidating. Exactly. And and that that's the fun part. Is that offensive line doesn't change, but these defensive linemen keep changing and keep rotating and keep getting after these guys. That's got to be you know really hard to deal with. And then you offer the fact that at the end of the game, that means you're going to get a fresh a Bosa, a fresh Armstead, a fresh Ebucom coming after you every single play. That's not what you want to see. That's when closing time happens. And if the 49ers have these defensive linemen fresh because they're not taking that many snaps, that, that's going to be a lot of trouble for these quarterbacks. And I, I think that's what the 49ers know. Uh, Donald Johnson, Debo would have had the most receiving yards if he didn't switch to, the run, to running the ball. Yeah, he would have had a tremendous passing season receiving. It, it was He was definitely on target. It was one of the good ones. Um, so you're right there. I think Debo would have had really good numbers, but he had to switch to the running back um, position, the wide back, as he calls himself, uh, to be able to you know give the 49ers the best chance to win because no one was as, as explosive as Debo Samuel was out of the running back position going down the stretch last year and into the playoffs. Debo Samuel was absolutely fantastic. He was the best player on the San Francisco 49ers. They needed every single ounce of what they got out of Debo Samuel. I'm very thankful for him being willing to switch roles and do whatever it took to help his football team. And now he wants to be compensated for it, and I, I think he will be. Um, but you're, yeah, you're right. Debo definitely would have had those numbers. Lou says the D-line is pretty stacked. Uh, Clea is an IR stash and forward at June 1 cut. Look at what's left. I'm wondering, is cutting or trading Ebicom a possibility to get some cap relief? I think that there is that potential there um, always. Uh, if so, if they feel like Ebucom can't hold up potentially to you know what everyone else is doing. But right now, I think Ebucom is the day one starter. And if he's the day one starter opposite of Nick Bosa, you're just not cutting him. You're more willing to cut you know the other guys behind him. So I think Ebucom, a potential extension, could be something they're interested in. However, with Drake Jackson coming on board, maybe that's less likely than it would have been before the draft. Uh, but I don't know if they're ready to to go ahead and and move on from Ebucom because I think Ebucom is the best player available right now to start opposite of Nick Bosa. Great one says Niners should just make a big move and sign Clowney to add that great depth on the defensive line Super Bowl. The question is, how much money are you going to give Davion Clowney? Clowney wants to make ten million dollars a year. That's consistently what he's made, you know, for the last like three or four years or four or five years even. Uh, it seems like since he left the Texans, it's been one year deals. Uh, for ten plus million dollars, if you feel like he's a ten million dollar player, uh, you could make that move. I just don't know. I think he's good in the run support. I think he's a, a really good at setting the edge, but I think his pass rush skills are a little overvalued than than what I've seen. Uh, I don't know if I would pay him ten million dollars to come in and do that, but he's an enticing guy out there, and the fact he's still out there, maybe his number will come down. But so far, it seems like every single time we get to close to training camp, a team is willing to give Jadavion Clowney ten million dollars. Um. 
yeah, and then Lou says, I'm not as impressed with Ebucom like you, Ant. Yeah, I think Ebucom early on in the season definitely did struggle, struggle, Lou. I don't think he was one of those guys that was getting after it, you know, in a big way. I think he was figuring out the position. But I felt like as we got to the end of the season, especially in the playoffs, I felt like Ebucom uh, did a lot better. Uh, so I think that maybe, potentially, uh, he's one of those guys. Oh, great one. I'm sorry. He said um, he had 11 sacks last season, $7 million. Uh, that's good numbers. So maybe, maybe there you go. Maybe I'm just undervaluing his ability from last year. So that is, that's really good value, and that's really good numbers. If the 49ers were interested in paying him you know, for that, then potentially he could. Uh, I asked you, great one, do you think he would take $7 million again, or do you think he's going to want $11 million, $1 million for every sack that he got? Uh, and then Paul Saunders says, do I remember right, but didn't Debo at the beginning of the season get a whole lot of pass attempts, maybe more than any other receiver? I think Garoppolo just only saw him. It, it was. It was definitely Debo Samuel getting the football a lot. Debo Samuel was a featured part of the offense. And what teams were doing on film, me and Alex were breaking down the film a lot of times on, on Patreon. And what we were seeing was that teams were bracketing George Kittle and bracketing Brandon Ayuk and allowing Debo Samuel uh, to kind of go one-on-one -on -one, and Debo was winning. And so I think that at that point, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was feeling comfortable getting the ball to Debo and Kyle Shanahan recognizing what defenses were trying to do went ahead and featured Debo. And once Debo started being featured, eventually they were going to have to change. And sure enough, they did. They started rolling extra help towards Debo Samuel and allowing Brandon Ayuk more one-on-one -on -one opportunities. And then Brandon Ayuk started taking advantage of it. Uh, so Kyle Shanahan really did get into a pick your poison type situation where he knew what they were trying to do. And once they tried to bracket Ayuk and Debo, then you had George Kittle. And that's the part of having those multiple weapons that you can use in different ways. And you saw the Rams when it was the opportunity for Jawan Jennings to step up, he made the plays that he needed to make. So it's nice having guys that come through in the biggest moments. Yeah, great one says, I doubt he'll take $7 million. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then, But if he wants a ring, then his price has to come down. That's the truth. I mean, if you get these guys and they're actually ring chasing, potentially, you're right. You could get him for you know a cheaper role. We wonder if he's at that point in his career yet. At some point, Jadavion Clowney will get to the point where he's trying to win a Super Bowl and the, and the money will come down. I don't know if that's this time, if this this year. Uh, but 11 sacks is really good production, and that's more than I believe he's had in a long time. So uh, that's really good numbers. And if the 49ers were interested in bringing him in, $10 million is a lot. They would definitely have to be out of the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, circumstance because Jimmy would have to be gone for them to have the money to be able to free that up. Because so far, they haven't made any restructurings or any of the, you know, the deals uh, to extend. So I think that's something that is still in the works, but we'll see what happens with Jimmy because if Jimmy's on this roster, they're not signing anyone else potentially besides uh, low-cost free agents. Maybe they can work out a deal to be able to get Jaquiski Tartan, but I think other than that, I don't know. You have to be under the threshold of the top 51 contracts, and I don't think they could get that done with you know with a Clowney or anyone else. Uh, Lou says some guys, it's about the prize, and some it's about the money. That's true, and I think early in in players' careers, it's a lot about the money. They want to make sure they're financially stable. They want to make sure they get out, you know, whatever they can out of this. They want to make sure they take care of their family because they've put in so much time, effort, and, and they have a responsibility, you know, to make sure that their family is taken care of for years to come. So they focus on financial. And I think at some point in their in their career and in their life, they look and they say, you know what, I've made my money now. I want to go out and have that, that success to win a championship because not everyone can do both at the same time. Some players are able to get that big contract and still be able 
to win a Super Bowl with that team they're on. And those are the lucky ones. The other ones have to go and find, you know, get away, find a way to do it. Um, somebody like Ricky Jackson that joined the Niners in 94, potentially taking a minimum deal just to be able to win a Super Bowl. And I think that this is something that happens a lot of times, but it's all about where the players are in their career that determines if they're willing to do that or not. Um, so it's it's definitely it's something that could happen with Clowney, but at what point will that be? I'm not sure it is right now. And the fact that Great One said he had 11 sacks, um, which I didn't keep up on Jadavion Clowney's sack uh, you know, amounts last year, means I doubt that he's willing to become a Super Bowl chaser and a ring chaser, and he's more about getting that money. And that could be something that he's he's really looking to do. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at the 49ers, I'm not sure defensive edge rusher is a position that they they need to address anymore. It's the most stacked position on the team. They have a very good linebacker group as well as they were able to, you know, bring Aziz Alshire back. Drake Greenlaw's in his last year of his contract. Secondary was the the question. And I think they've addressed everywhere except potentially the safety position. Jaquiski Tart could be that guy. That could be the last brick that they need to bring back to be able to make this defense a even more superb than it was last year. I think that's something exciting. The fact that they address address special teams the way they did is very exciting. A new special teams coach came with a new attitude and new players. Uh, I I like the way that John Lynch approached it. It seemed very uh, calculated in the way that they handled it. A lot of the moves weren't splashy. Uh, they weren't something that you looked at and you're like, wow, uh, that's a big time move. Um, but the, now looking back on it, you understand what they're trying to do there. And then I think that with the offensive side of the ball, um, the interior offensive line was addressed in the draft, and that's something they really needed to do. Uh, Great one says, if he helps us win a ring, then his value increases a lot. You're right. Uh, you're 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 definitely right, Great one. If he helped us win a Super Bowl, his value would go through the roof. And that's what happens with players that win Super Bowls. Their value increases, and that's something to take into consideration is when you win a Super Bowl, you are more valuable. And we've seen that you know, throughout the league for multiple times. The Rams are definitely losing players now. Uh, players that helped them win a Super Bowl are, are now moving on and getting more money. Some of those players stayed and got more money for the Rams. But that's one of the things that's hardest to do is, is repeat and bring those guys back because a lot of times they're gonna their value increases because they've proven that they can get it done at the biggest stage, which is the Super Bowl. And when you do win a Super Bowl, if you haven't been able to cash out, that's your opportunity to cash out. And I think that a lot of these players are going to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're definitely right there. Great one. And the 49ers, you know, built this roster now. We've got 91 players on the roster. They've done a really good job with a lot of good players. I do believe that there's still a couple of moves out there, and I think Tart is the most obvious. But the questions that still remain surrounding Alex Mack uh, and, and surrounding D Ford are things that need to be answered. Jimmy Garoppolo as well. And once those things are answered, then I think we'll really get a, a real in-depth look at what this 90-man roster is going to look like. But we may not know all the answers until June 1st. We'll see. Hopefully, we get something sooner from uh, from Alex Mack, and then I think that'll really help. So I, I think that is something to keep watching. Those are the things that are going on right now. And uh, that's almost it, guys. I think we're, we're coming up against it. I really thank everyone for coming through uh, the Cutback Colony. Everyone in chat, you did a fantastic job. I really enjoyed this conversation. I always look forward to this, and I always look forward to interacting with you. Thank you so much for coming through for this episode. And you know what? I'll catch you guys on the next one. Have a good day.